Good morning and welcome to KLE. Welcome to the Kingdom Leadership Equipping Group. Um, it's great to have you with us again, wherever you are in America, the United States of America. I am sitting in uh, Pennsylvania right now and my good only best friend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now I've got other friends and best friends. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. <laughs> But uh, my best friend in the United States of America, Steve Bissett, all the way from... Marshall, Texas, brought to you by... <laughs> and I'm always, uh, I'm always amazed. It's like when you meet um, Texans around the world and you ask them, where are you from? They never say United States. They always say Texas. <laughs> yes, that's true. Everybody else says I'm from, Te from America, not, not Texas. The guys from Texas go, we're from Texas. Yeah, yeah. We're a country within a country. That's right. Yeah. Well, we're, we were actually the only state that is annexed in by a treaty. Yes, we, oh, really? Yeah, we could actually separate at any time and just break the treaty. We weren't, we weren't put in like other states. We oh, were wow. actually annexed in as a part of a country yes. into, because we were our own country for a while. Yeah. Wow. So, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah. Well, I'm privileged to have visited there a few times. Really, I really liked Texas. I really did. I enjoy the people there. So anyway, we, we back today. Um, and just to refresh for those that haven't yet um, been on with Steve and I, this is our conversation. We've been doing this for years, uh, jumping on every week or every other week and just having a long discussion about all sorts of things and just really motivating, motivating, um, inspiring each, each other, other. Yeah. Yes, and, and just encouraging each other in our thinking, in our journey, uh, simply because sometimes when you begin to do things different to the herd, um, you are viewed as unherded. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So you get unheard. Um, and, uh, and so it's good to find somebody that actually, and that's, you know, we've been doing this for probably from 2002, some 2001, 2002. I met Steve in 1999 in Marshall, Texas, went wow. down the Buffalo River together. And uh, what is that, like 20 years ago now? No, yes. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, um, yeah, we went down the Buffalo River together and, uh, and that's where we connected hearts. It wasn't like a big deal at that point in time but over the years and through the experiences and things we've been through um our hearts have become really knit and so this is at our time that we share and we thought well last year if we're having these discussions let's edify other people and inspire them to think let inspire you to think and begin to uh, consider some of the concepts some of the thinking um that we have established in the church, in our mindsets as believers, as Christians, as the church. And uh, is everything we're doing, are we just doing things because it's done by everybody else? Or what was God's uh, original plan? What is Jesus' blueprint for you, the church, for you, me, us, weans, usans, um, so that we begin to build according to his plan? And so that's our time together. So we do not come with an agenda. We, we just jumped on the call now and going, 
all right, what is God saying right now? And I, I mean, like, obviously spending time this morning just uh, waiting on God and saying, what do you want to say? But I never have, like, this clear word until I, we begin to spend time together and something begins to happen, Steve. Right. And I, and I think that's the, um, you know, we were talking last week about the clash of two cultures of actually this religious culture and, and kingdom culture and, you know, God's not looking for one man to try and come up with this creative, super, super duper message every week, but actually to, um, I, and that's what I love about this is it's like the, the let's, we, we spark something in each other that brings out what God is saying in our hearts or that we, that we know. And, and so a collaboration begins of, of our perspectives on what we're seeing in God. And that's right. Well, it helps jog, a, it helps jog memories or thinking, you know, yeah. ways of thinking that, uh, that a lot of times when you're off by yourself, just thinking things, you have a tendency to think you're wrong. At least I do. Yes. And so just to have somebody else say something that jogs that part of your, that part of your memory or that part of the scripture and stuff like that, that, that you, it reaffirms, um, reaffirms where you're at. It uh, reaffirms your direction and purpose. Uh, my people perish for lack of knowledge, but it says without a vision, they're destroyed. Yeah. So it, it's just helping that clarity of vision. It's helping that clarity of purpose again. Uh, both of us came from the background of being pastors. Right. Um, uh, you know, uh, I was, I was associate pastor for, for years uh, at several different places and then, then became the chief shepherd and bishop of everybody's souls, uh, the senior pastor, chief shepherd. And uh, um, uh, during that time, I remember uh, one time sitting out on the beach because um, the fellowship where we were at, uh, the building was right across the street from the beach. Mm. So, yeah, so I'd go out the back door and I'd sit on the rocks out there. And that was kind of like my office out there, my second office. I'd sit out there for a while. And I remember one time he just said, um, he said, you've misrepresented me and you built your own and not mine. Now I'm going to teach you how to build for me. Right. And it really, it really got me because, you know, for years I thought I was building, building for him. But he said, you've built your own ministry, you've built your own church, you've built your own whatever, and now I'm going to begin to teach you how to build for me. And basically, at that time, I was um, removed. And it, uh, it really shook me up because, I mean, the, the deaf were hearing, the lame were walking, the blind were seeing. I mean, all these signs were following. Uh, you know, that I thought were signs that we were doing all right. Uh, we had the dead raised. I mean, it, you know, it was just, and that was normal. <laughs> so, you know, I just thought, well, we're doing pretty good here. And uh, then to realize that, that I was, um, I was building my own and not his, that was really a shock to me. Right. Um, and then in later years, I remember talking to, to a pastor guy and, and um, I was just talking to him about, not about a form and a fashion, because like we talked about before, you know, it never says anywhere in the New Testament, okay, this is it. This is how you do it. I mean, it never says that. Hmm. Um, but it does say, you know, ordain elders in every church in every city. 
It doesn't say ordained pastors. Um, you know, in fact, the word pastor is only used what once in the whole New Testament or twice. Right. Um, so, and we built a whole system around that. However, uh, when you go to elders, you can start building a whole. You can start building a whole theory and a whole, a whole uh, form and format out of that. Then, and that becomes your religion. You know, and and so uh, it seems like they who are sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. It seems like that might be the way to do it. <laughs> and but to have him uh, have him tell me that, and he says, my my bride is like a little girl. She cannot conceive in the womb yet. If she could conceive, she'd not be able to bear it to term. If she could bear it to term she would either abort it, abandon it, or adopt it out. What I want you to do is not only nurture this little, this, my young, this young girl, my young bride into maturity, but I want you to get her to the place where she can not only um, conceive in the womb, but bear to term, bring forth, and then nurture what she births. And so it's, that was 30 some odd years ago. So this isn't this isn't like yesterday we decided to do this. I mean, either one of us. And yeah. I guess I guess that's the thing I'm looking at is is the years not that not that we spent building, but the years that he took to tear out and root out and pluck up and destroy, and then to begin to build and plant back in us so that we can now build build according to the pattern that's been shown on the mount. And, uh, and it's not building an organizational structure. It's building you, you know, that, that temple right there. It's building, it's building other people as opposed to trying to build another church. And, uh, um, I, I know I told you this last week or maybe even yesterday when I talked to you, you know, I remember him. I remember I was so excited. I mean, I was excited, Sean. I haven't been excited in a long time. And, uh, you know, there's a bunch of different guys I work with uh, throughout the region and, and uh, several different states. And I said, Lord, it'd be so exciting just to get all these guys together, you know, maybe once a quarter and let's do this and let's do this. And let." And he, he said very clearly, I mean, just like you talking to me, he said, um, if you would stop doing my job and just do what I told you to do you, yours, he said, I will build my church. You keep trying to build the church. And I never told you to do that. And that's the thing that got me again. And I thought, man, I've been, I've been in this place for 30 years and I, I and I had to hear that again. Yeah. And um, so this isn't like something that we've just discovered and gone, waha, you know, now I'm going to share this with the world. Yeah, this yeah. is something that's been, um, this thing out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something, even last week, you and I were talking about how, how do we do this? I mean, we don't even, we don't even know exactly what we're doing. Yeah. So, you know, it's a matter of now taking the guys that we have around us and helping them get to the next level, whatever that is in their walk. Well, that's what I, you know, I really believe Steve is, is in this, in this sense that, there's this generational concept within the church. You know, we, we, I see often the church is referred to as an army. And, yeah. um, but I don't see that anywhere in the New Testament. 
Well, that's true. It's never referred to as an army in the New Testament. It's referred to as a family. It's yeah. referred to as a nation, a priesthood, um, and, and a nation, but never as an army, but as that's a family. True. And, and so um, I think what we do is we go to war so much. Uh, there's so many casualties, but we're not actually developing the culture of family. And so I, that's you true. know, is, is if you look at um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, there's always that three, that three generations that God works through. God is a generational God. Psalm 78 talks about that. He said, I want you to share this so that the children and the children yet to be born understand to not be like, and he talks about the tribe of Ephraim that, that stepped away when the battle was on. So they, they, their commitment, their devotion to actually seeing the kingdom established at that point in time, you know, they pull back. And he's, but he talks about that. And that, that scripture, that psalm really spoke to me as to the father heart of what needs to happen within the context of the local church is we need to forget about building our ministries and our churches and things and invest in the next generation because it takes three generations for something to work out. Um, is that, you know, you suppose that's why he said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I mean, that's exactly. it. And, and not only, yeah, yeah, not only relationally, but that's three. Like you said, it takes three generations, three to generations for, for a whole mindset to, to change. So, wow. so yeah. you see, Abraham has to leave and he, he begins to, he begins to see God in, in, and, and begins to, he becomes a believer, obviously, from being a pagan worshiper in Ur of Chaldees. He, he begins to obey God, gets a revelation of God, he invests that into Isaac. Isaac becomes the son of blessing, the son of covenant, who right. then begins to, he, he's, not a, he's not a showcase kind of, you know, person in, no. the, in, the, in the Bible, gets a lot of things wrong, but he has a son that picks it up from there, Jacob. And Jacob then invests it into the next generation, which right. is Joseph. And Joseph becomes the second leader to the greatest nation in the world politically, yeah. uh, you know, powerful over the armies, etc. So a powerful, powerful person. And so we, we see this, this generational thing going on. And, and it's the same with, with if, if we begin to understand that we need to see the moms and dads of maturity within the context of the church rising up, we might not get it, but if we invest what, what we have into the into the, the, the young men and into the children, then the next generation begins to pick up on that and begins to walk in a greater measure of that. And then the, right. the next generation stands on their shoulders and picks up a, um, you know, a greater aspect of that. And I really, I, that's what I can see from scripture is, but we, what we've done is we've invested all the anointing, all the spirituality, all the uh, superiority into one person. And it's not been um, empowered or equipped into the church as such. And so we've not seen, so now, <laughs> Now people go, well, you know, people need to learn to submit. And I go, you know, this is the thing I picked up, and this is what we were talking about last night, is that we, we have this idea that um, 
how do I put this nicely? Um, uh, don't put it nicely. Just say it. It's, it's like we've got, we've got, okay. First off, not all leaders are bad. You know, I don't believe that. I don't believe all the leaders, all the pastors, they're just reproducing a model that's been given to them generationally. Right. And that's the only model they can see. And they become very insecure when they see, when they've got to move out of that, you know, um, right. I mentioned out of that model. However, leaders set the culture for what's going on. So what we're doing is people, I did this. It's like people need to learn to be members. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, a, what a bozo, really? I mean, you know, honestly, but I, I was totally ignorant when it came to these things. And I, we as leaders develop the culture. And so if we're not developing a family culture, if we're not developing a culture of um, uh, multitude of, of leadership, so in, uh, eldership governments, if we're, not, if we're not developing that culture where people begin to see that they, it's not about a hierarchy, but about a family. Right. If, if they don't understand that, then, then they will never step into their role. Right. Yeah. And that's a problem we're having right now, even in the natural, because uh, that which first is natural after that, which is spiritual. You can see you can see what's going on spiritually just by looking in the natural. Yes. The biggest thing going on right now is is they're trying to have more government. We're trying to establish a bigger government, a better government uh, that'll take care of the people. Uh, we try to do that same thing in the church at. Uh, I remember here a while back, we had a bond thing for our school district here locally. It was several million dollars and it passed because uh, we needed, I mean, the schools were getting pretty bad shape. And, and so what did they do? The superintendent went out and hired four assistant superintendents with complete support staff. And what he told everybody is, we need a better, larger administration to be able to take care of the kids. Now, all of a sudden, we're spending five, well, no, it's more than that. It was probably a three-quarters of a million dollars just in support staff and whatever, a year more than what we were. And uh, the kids weren't changing any. I mean, it wasn't helping the kids at all. Yeah. And, and I see the same thing happening in the body of Christ. We try to have more and more administration, more and more staff, more and more whatever. Well, what happens to the saints? <laughs> what happens to the people that, because uh, a father, as a father, you know good and well, you, you want your sons to thrive. You want, you want the kids to do better than you do. That's right. Except that's exactly yes. Yeah, and so you lay down your life, your ambitions, goals, desires, whatever. I mean, it doesn't mean you don't follow your dream. It just, it's just you want them to live. So you you do whatever it takes to help them. Yeah. And if, if that's what's modeled, if that would be modeled at all in the body, and I'm sure it is other places, like you said, I'm sure there's yeah. people that do that, but. If we could do that, then other people would really thrive and they would come for and do exactly the same thing. They'd help other people then begin to live because yeah. I wasn't sent here that I might have life and that more abundantly. I was yeah. sent here so that you can have life 
Right. Isn't that more exactly. fun? Exactly. So. And, and that, you know, that's the thing, Steve, is, is true, true moms and dads, you, you take, well, let's say a, a mom and dad that is dysfunctional. They've grown up dysfunctional, so they are controlling, manipulative, abusive parents. What happens with the children? At first opportunity they get, they're right, gone. gone. Yeah, you know, gone. They're out of there, man. It's just like, right. you know, I'm not going to take this. I'm not going to live with this. I, you know, it's not, my, my parents weren't abusive or anything, but my dad, he moved like every six months, you know, all my life. Just every really? six months we were living in another place, you know. Really? So, so I, I got to, uh, we, we ended up in a place in the middle of, of South Africa and in a little town and, and, Again, we just, I mean, we were there like a year and he had already changed jobs three times when we were there. And then he was going, okay, I'm, we're moving. And I, and I said, I'm not doing it. I'm not going, you know? And, uh, and he said, well, what are you going to do? I said, I'm, I was 17 years old. I said, I'm joining the military. You know, I didn't even graduate from high school. I just, I'm, I've got to get out of this. So I joined the military at that point in time and just got out at 17 years old. But you know, I'd already been out the house since I was 13 years old because I went to boarding school. But the thing oh. is, it is, you know, you just, you want to get out of that situation. Right. That's insecure right. or whatever the story is. Now, maybe that's why we're seeing guys just starting, you know, little churches and, you know, replicating right. the same thing that they've, they've and that's the thing is, and, and oppressed people will always oppress people. Right. <laughs> You know, abusive, right. if people that have grown up under an abusive kind of situation will always replicate and reproduce the same thing. And right. so what we've constantly got is we're trying to herd people into this thing and people are leaving all the time. But we need to begin to change the culture. And that starts with, with the leadership. It's like, um, I was saying on, on the podcast the other day, I can't remember which one, um, I did two. I can't remember which one, but the one of them I was saying, I think it was on KLE, but is that, what was I saying? I can't remember. Um, <laughs> that's bad. Don't laugh at me. <laughs> yeah, and here I was the one that was supposedly had a stroke. What's the deal here? Oh, I don't know, man. It's, um, here, I'll, I'll, I'll start, I'll start something here and yes, maybe it'll come it. back to light. Yes, maybe, go for it. maybe the fog will clear there, Sean. Um, why did Absalom, why did Absalom rebel against his, his dad? Because his dad neglected him. Uh, one thing he was after, he was after the throne. Right. He didn't, he didn't want his dad's position as a father. He wanted he knew that there was a position to be had. Yes. And so he was after the position. Yeah. If we continue a culture where there's positions to be had, the, the sons are going to grow up to believe that they are supposed to get a position and yeah. they're going to vie for that position as yeah. opposed to in a culture of a family. There's, there, what position is there? There isn't a position. Yeah. So. Exactly. You're there to raise up other people. You're, you're there to help. You're there to assist. You're there to make sure that everybody in there grows as much as they possibly can. Yeah. But right. Absalom was after the throne. He wasn't after the place of his, he didn't want to be a father. He wanted to be a king. Exactly. 
Exactly. So, and the and the thing about it was because David wasn't a great dad. Oh, really? Yeah, he wasn't a great dad. I mean, you know, he he had all these kids and and uh, and you know, and that's why Absalom was a guy that he wanted his dad's approval, didn't get it. You know. Well, yeah, that's so, true. So a lot of these kings, King Hezekiah, I mean, loved God in God's, you know, in God's um, sort of favor, understood God, you know, walked with God. But yet his son was was a great, great king as connected to God. But when the time came, he asked God to give him 15 more years and he screwed it up badly. So what he does is he goes, Oh, you Babylonian um, foreign, foreign, uh, uh, whatever, foreign secretary and, yeah. and uh, you know, emissaries, you know, come and have a look at all we've got in Israel. So like, we're a little country. You guys are a big country. Come take what we've got. And he shows them everything. Isaiah comes to him and says, uh, hey, King Hezekiah, what did you show them? He goes, everything, everything. Well, they're going to come back and take everything. They're going to take uh, slaves, they're going to put your people into exile, they're going to demolish your nation. And he goes, so when is this going to happen? And so Isaiah says, to your children's children. And he, right. and he thinks, well, that's a good word because it's not in my time. Right. And Isn't that crazy? What an evil, what an evil, despicable indictment against a king that walked with God that didn't know how to father a next generation. And, right. and so now you see his son, Asa, is like the most evil king ever in the country. You know, it's just yeah. like a bad, bad dude. And, and so a we got Asa. to... Huh? A bad Asa. A very bad Asa. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, you know... <laughs> Isn't, isn't that what we're dealing with a little bit within the culture that we've created? Oh, yeah. Is, you know, is that we've got, we, I can't, I, I don't criticize the next generation because I, I, I look at leaders today and I, I just think of an incident that I had not so long ago. And I look at a young leader and I think, what are the fathers? And you know what? When I asked the fathers, the, well, not the fathers, when I asked the the supposed people that are around him, you know, what are you doing? They, they all, um, no, we can't, we can't challenge anything or we don't, you know, they were all working for their own favor. And I, I blame them, not the, the, right. the leader. And I'm going, this is the problem. You know, it's like, nobody wants to take responsibility. Nobody wants to hold accountable. And, you know, we've been over these stories before, but I suppose it bears reporting, it, it, repeating, it doesn't matter where we go in the country and what's happening. If you look at all these incidents of guys that fall and whatever, look who's around them. Right. How have they been handled ministerially, positionally, um, you know, to get the, the uh, acknowledgement? You know, it's like if you and I, and that's what we were talking about yesterday. I mean, if we jumped on this bandwagon of doing this stuff, before we'd know it, I mean, you and I are gifted. We, we can do stuff. We can make things happen easy. You know, to, for me to prophesy, you know, and have words of knowledge, it comes easy to me. Really, yeah. You know, preaching is not hard. God's blessed me with, with a gift. And so, I, you know, I, I've done it. I can do it again. It's just like, but I refrain myself simply because that's not the model I want to give the next generation. 
Right. I say, somewhere, somehow, somebody has got to stand up and start saying, wait a minute, we've got to begin to set a new culture. And there's the point that I wanted to say. I was saying on, ah. the, on the podcast is that um, everything, John Maxwell says, everything rises and falls on leadership. Everything. Hmm. Everything. You cannot blame anybody. You can't blame the organization. You cannot blame the people. You cannot blame the systems. Leadership are the ones that set the culture. Everything right. rises and falls on leadership. And that's why you and I do what we do here. It's just to yeah. challenge the mindsets of, of the thinking for leadership. Basically, like you said earlier, we're, we do this to challenge each other. Hmm. And, and First anybody, and foremost. Yeah, anybody happen to be listening in, and that's great. You know, just like it says in Ezekiel, um, you know, show the house to the house of Israel. Right. If they be ashamed of their iniquities, then show them the patterns thereof and the forms thereof and whatever, you know, all the yeah, yeah. ordinances and all that sort of stuff. But it says earlier in that same chapter, it says that, that um, they, their kings and their queens in their high places have set their pillars beside my pillars their threshold beside my threshold, but it's not mine. Right. Now you, son of man, you show the house of the house of Israel. So right. it's saying that there's a difference between the kings and queens and you, son of man, you show them, show them how to do this. Don't just, don't just talk about it all the time, you know, show them how to do it. And the only way, like you said, the only way I know how to do that is to, take the guys that are around me and help them get to their next level to, to show them the father. Uh, yeah. I'm not saying be their father. I'm saying yeah. show them the father. Ah, good point. Are we back to that one? And that, yeah. that is of course, you, you know, that's the thing is we cannot, we cannot as leaders or as people, you know, whatever. And, and well, let's just talk leadership right now. Is that, that, we cannot replace Christ and we cannot replace the father. No. We cannot, we represent, but we cannot right. replace. Right. Even as a physical father, even as a human physical biological father, the thing that, that struck me years ago was that my greatest job perfectly or imperfectly was to represent the heavenly father to my children. Right. And that's it. I didn't get it all right, but that was my, I didn't, my dad wasn't involved in my life. So I had to figure this out by myself, really, in that sense. I was fatherless and there was no fathers. I don't want to say no fathers, but very few fathers around me in ministry to help me as a pastor. You know, the one, I mean, I had one guy that I walked with for 15 years, um, Dave, and he was an incredible he, but he was still learning and growing in this whole thing. The one guy that I thought had the revelation of it, of course, um, uh, he, he was so insecure, he couldn't represent anything except his own agenda, which was his to, to protect himself. That was it. So he destroyed right. everything around him as his absolute assignment. So the, the fact is, is that we grew up with this concept and I was doing the best that I could to father my sons by representing the heavenly father to set right. the seals of, of approval, acknowledgement and acceptance in their life. Like the heavenly father gave to Jesus. Right. And we need to be doing the same within the context of the church. Stop right. thinking about ourselves and start 
representing the father because like we were talking yeah. about yesterday you know you want to pick up yeah. on that a little bit yeah and like i t uh said yesterday too just as far as um i took a, a gentleman with me up to a, a region of the country and um as we're driving into this uh, the area because we had several different meetings with several house groups as well as uh, some plan meetings at some places and he says uh, you, you have to you ha really have to get them to commit to you uh, as their spiritual father and I said what are you talking about he says you you have to get them to actually make a decision whether or not you are their spiritual father and I, I said, what on earth for? I said, we're just up here to build them up. He says, no, they have to make a decision. They have to decide if they're your sons or somebody else's. And they have to come to a place where they recognize you as their spiritual father. Uh, otherwise, they will have no spiritual blessing. And I, I mean, it's something that took me back so bad because I, I I said our pattern the only pattern we have is Christ I mean that's our pattern that's who okay. we've got right. and he never said to any of the disciples that he was teaching like particularly like Luke Luke I am your father you know he never did that you know I mean that's not <laughs> he just didn't do that so he he said, I'm going to show you the Father. Um, you know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I mean, because I'm the same likeness and character and whatever else, because right. I'm going to show you who he is. I'm not going to be him to you. Yeah. So if Christ did that, what, what makes me think that I'm going to be your Father? Right. You know, you, uh, spiritual or otherwise, I don't care. I mean, it just... And I guess that's why Christ even says, don't call no man father. Don't, don't do this. You guys are getting wacky with this stuff. Don't do this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, if I, yeah, if I introduce you to a group of people, uh, this is my spiritual son, Sean. Uh, what does that do to you in their eyes? And what does that do to me? All that's doing is, is showing positional Showing, showing these people something positional. They're always going to see you as my son then. Yeah. Yeah. And rather than a son of God, I tell you what, this is a son of God right here. He sent him just as much as he sent me right here today to you guys. Right. And uh, I may or may not have anything for you, but we're here because the Lord said to come here. And whatever we can do to help, we're, we're happy to help. We're happy to be here. Uh, you go ahead and use whatever you can of whatever we've got because we're here at your disposal. What do you need? Right. And that's more of that servant mentality. And that's how you see Christ operating. What is it you need? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Oh, you need fish and loaves. Well, here, let's give you some, you need this, you need that. Well, what is it you need? Right. I'm sure he didn't prepare the sermon on the Mount just because he had to prepare a sermon. To come up with some creative topic. Yeah, message. yeah, it day, came yeah. out of the abundance of his heart to the need of the people that were sitting there. Right, exactly. So it wasn't a matter of trying to figure out what to speak beforehand and then coming up with this good message. It was a matter of drawing out of that wellspring of water that he had in his heart and just meeting the need at hand. Yeah. And exactly. uh, I guess that's the thing that I have 
tried to model uh, as far as just um, any place that I go is is that type of is that type of thinking not not trying to prepare a good message but be prepared with my father so that whatever it is that you need he's there to meet it and if when he shows up then things change exactly transformation so. happens and transformation is first the inner person you know is that we we we're so focused on coming up with a message and look you know jesus had a message this this morning i was meditating in uh, in luke and it said you know because of his mess he he was teaching but and because of his message his teaching had authority and then it was then it it speaks about that with um uh, uh yeah that that out of the message came the authority to cast out devils and people recognized the authority that he had and this message that he had. And so there's really something to having the message. Although what I think is we've focused on the wrong message. I think right. When we understand kingdom and we begin to proclaim the right. kingdom of God, which is what, right. G, because if you read the chapter, chapter four, I think it is, when you read the chapter, you see that, that it says, it talks about that Jesus, um, uh, was preaching they, they try to keep him there and said you've got to stay here with us and he goes i've got to go to the other towns because for this purpose i was sent to preach the kingdom in those places also right and right. so his whole message was but i don't want to get into that right now well, well his whole message was the gospel of the kingdom it wasn't it was the gospel of the kingdom yeah and the god if we understand the gospel of the kingdom, then we, we're not going to these topical places of having some fancy message to stand, to be standing out in the great revelation. It's, it's about reflecting the government of God, which is the heart of the father. Really? That's right. what it is. So what would I, what would you say if I said you're supposed to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ? What would be, what would, what would be the answer to somebody asking me that question? You've got to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. What well, I would ask, what is that? <laughs> what yeah. is that to you? Because you see, Jesus, the thing that we, I actually was listening to an audio book this morning, and they said, well, in the kingdom time, that was that, you know? But now it's like the church time. And I'm going, he's missed the point altogether. The right. fact is, is that the kingdom is it's what it's all about. From Genesis right. to Revelation, it's all about, God establishing his kingdom on the earth to colonize the earth to, to in fact become a family because that's what the kingdom is about. It's kingdom citizens who operate as a family under the law of love. That's right. really what it is. So um, when, you know, it's the gospel of salvation, the gospel of, of Jesus Christ is that, okay, what is that? Because when I understand that Jesus came as king, left as king, and is coming back as king, <laughs> you know, so what are you preaching? You yeah. know, are you I preaching what, what tickles, what um, impresses, what fits your mold? Right. You see, the kingdom of God doesn't fit into a box. No. That's the, that's the thing. The, the kingdom of heaven our country that we're from does right. not fit in man's box or man's right. concept. And, and that's probably why it wasn't written down anywhere. Thou shalt surely do this, this, and this with these certain steps in order to establish this, exactly whatever exactly. it is we're doing. We've got to, and that's what he said is what Jesus said, when you petition heaven, go to your father, our father, which art in heaven, 
you know, respected and honored is your name. Feared is your name. Your kingdom come. Yeah. Your will be done on earth as it is in the kingdom of heaven. Right. Right. So what we're going to do is replicate, not an organization, not a federal system, not a right. republic or a democracy, but the kingdom of God. Now that's spiritually, uh, you know, it's like, I just got to, because some people get all wacky and say, oh, we're going to go. It's like, we're not called. Ah, and this is the other thing is that when we do need to go, and deal with a task or a project or go to war, Abraham calls his family. Yes, that's true. And takes on the kings, three kings, four kings, three kings, smashes them with his family. They were yeah. trained as a family. They right. were servants. And that's what it says. It's he, he took the, the servants of his house. <laughs> it's like of yeah. his household. These guys had grown up under him, under his patriarchal oversight. And they all are equipped, very well equipped to take on kings. And so, right. you know, maybe we're missing something in the whole process because if we're not reflecting the father's heart, what are we, what are we representing? You know, what are right. we, what are we, I don't know. You see, when you say, when people say to me, you know, I'm preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'm going to, so what does that represent? Are you yeah. representing Jesus as, as a bishop, as the right. miracle worker, you know, what, what, which aspect of Jesus are you right. representing? And most of the time they're just, they're just using it as fire insurance. In other words, you must be born again type of thing. Yeah. Which was part of, yeah, part of, but it's his gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, his gospel was the good news that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Right. And that, that was his gospel or his good news. So if I want to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, what was his gospel? What, what was his good news that he was sent to proclaim? Exactly. And I guess that's, that's where it, it shifted a little bit in me because it's not just a matter of, yeah, he hung on a cross and, you know, all this sort of stuff, which is great. I mean, I'm glad he did. And we we're now entered into a new covenant, but that new covenant is about a family. It's about a kingdom that is set differently than, than even in the old covenant. But right. now we're a part of a, a family with, with our heavenly father, our creator as our father, God. Yes. And so it's uh, that's the difference, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a big difference big between difference. the old covenant, and the new covenant, because yeah. well, uh, just even in the name change, you look at Abraham, you know, Abram. Abram means aloof or lofty father. Hmm. It says, "Now I'm going to change your name to Abraham." Even in that name change, he's demonstrating the nature of of God in that he's yeah. saying, I'm changing from something that you once thought I was. And I'm going to show it by this guy right here, because now Abraham means near father of many. Right. I'm no longer this aloof lofty, whatever that cannot be touched or reached. I'm a near father of many. And I'm going to show you in demonstration, even by how this man walks the earth now. Right. And through him now shall become many nations. Right. And uh, uh, that the old covenant to me is, is just full of pictures like that, that are just exactly. 
phenomenal that we tend not to pick up on for some reason. I don't know. I guess because we're still thinking of a mentality uh, differently. So you see that with the, the glasses, we, we've got these glasses on, and that's a perspective. It's, right. it's how we choose to filter everything. Right. So, so we filter everything through our belief system. That's and, true. And uh, your belief system doesn't necessarily mean that it's correct. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, so um, belief, your belief doesn't mean that you necessarily are experiencing a transformation. Is like right. you've got to, we've got to, that's why Jesus comes and he says, um, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was challenging their whole mindset. The word repent there is not fall on your face, get emotional, cry, roll around, weep, um, and feel sorry. It doesn't mean that. It means to have an absolute change in the very inception of your mind. Right. It means a mindset to change. I, you know, I preach that, you know. Yeah. Guys and why did it say to change? Why did it say to repent? And you said it there in that same verse, for the kingdom of heaven. Is at hand. Yeah. So you cannot embrace the kingdom of God without a change of mindset. That's true. And that's my, you know, that, well, that was John's message. Jesus picks up on the same mess, exactly the same message, Matthew chapter four. Right. So John comes preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus goes to his school, comes out with exactly the same message. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And now he works to begin to shift that mindset change. Right. You can preach what true repent, metanoia. Meta meaning transformation, noia of your mindset. Right. And you preach that in churches, boy, and guys don't like you very much, you know? No. Well, and when you look at what Christ had to do, he didn't take on a whole nation of people. He finally had to narrow it down to 12 dudes and say, look, <laughs> you know, this is what I've got to work with. I got to change these guys' minds. Yeah. They're going to change the world. Right. So, and ah, it, that's where Jesus had the generational mindset. You see? Yes. Yeah. I mean, he, he, in fact, he, he doesn't even stay. He removes himself. Yeah. 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 He, he has an exit strategy out of them. Yeah. And where does that say that to Paul, to Timothy, and to faithful men who shall yes. believe also? I mean, yes. that's generational. Paul exactly. to Timothy to faithful men. Exactly. So you, you've got this generational mentality of this isn't just going to last with my ministry or your ministry. I'm not here to set up you in a ministry. I'm here to set you up as a son of God to realize that there's a different kingdom. There's a different culture. This is who we're a part of. And this is what we're supposed to bring people into. Right. So it's powerful, man. I, yeah. I think, you know, if we get it, I'm telling you, it's so powerful. I, you know, I think, I think we, the, the, I think you're always telling me not to say, I think, but it's just like, when I look at this, I, I see something that, and this, I've been seeing it for, for some time. For, for many years, because uh, just a quick story back in, in uh, 97, I think it was 1997, 98, somewhere around there. I hadn't met you guys or I hadn't come into any, a lot of this understanding at that point in time, but I heard, I heard about a, a pastor that whose dad died and he was a pastor of a little church in Chicago. And, um, 
his mom asked him to do the the funeral and he he's he was pastoring a, a large church at that point in time so he travels to to the um to chicago to do his dad's memorial funeral whatever and he he said he that night he walked into the little church downtown church and he wanted to just go and spend time with his dad and um um, and he tr he tripped over something when he walked in because his eyes weren't adjusted to the light. There was no lights on. And when his eyes adjusted, he saw all these young men and women lying all down the aisles, in the foyer, right down the aisles, right across the altar, in between the pews. They were all lying. These were sons and daughters that his father had invested in um, over the years. And they'd come from all over America to pay their respects to a man who had invested in their life. And we, you know, Steve, I still get like really, because that was a moment in my, in my walk with God and, and my ministry, if I can use that term, where I was deeply, deeply affected by that. I cried for three days when I heard the night mm. because I, we were, I was a pastor in a little town. We, things was happening. We were having miracles and we were growing in salvation. We were having a move of God, you know, as they call it, and people getting saved and people coming from all over the place. And, but I wasn't happy inside. Something wasn't fitting for me. And when I heard this story, it affected me so deeply. I cried for three days. And I, after that, you know, because I said, that's what I want. That's what I want. I want to, see, I don't want to have me as being the celebrated figure. I, that just doesn't make sense to me. I might as well shut it down and go work with somebody that's got something big happening. If that's the thing. Right. It's just like, this was the thing that, that he invested himself as a little part, a little church, you know, you know, downtown church, um, pastor, but he had, he had, something had transpired inside of him to invest in these guys. And, and, and the, after that, I just, after three days of just weeping before God, and I just heard the Lord say in my heart, I am placing on you the mantle of a father. And I'm going, you know, I have no idea what that means. I don't, didn't even have a, a good biological father. So, I, you know, that doesn't make any sense to me. But I began to walk closer with, with a spiritual dad at that point in time, just to for just to try and get some kind of understanding, you know. And and uh, but I just began to sense that God wanted to bring this about in the house, not not because I was you know going to be this exalted bishop father thing, but just to in fact impart a message to people to say rise up and become dads, right. you know, that's really right. what it is. It's just moms and dads just to see that spiritual maturity. You know, there's, yeah, there's so much around this, you know, but yeah. Like I told you too, that uh, I saw something on Facebook, a, a, a young man that I know in a different country and they were bringing in this guest speaker and they had the streets, uh, all the people were lining the streets in this country and they were throwing rose petals at this, at, at this gentleman, you know, strewing it in front of his path, but also getting it all over him. And, and he was from and, America. Yeah. And I thought this is the triumphal entry. They're treating this guy better than Christ at this point. And, better than Paul too. <laughs> yeah. Better than Paul. 
And I thought, you know, if there's some way we can bring the culture back, even though, even though there's honor and respect, because, uh, you know, you're supposed to honor, honor sure. those that the elders and honor those who were on yeah. before, yeah. <laughs> but there's gotta be something where we can do the father. We can, we can show them the father. Uh, we can, we can father them into maturity or bring them into that place without fatherhood becoming a position or a title. Right. And that seems to be the issue. That seems to be the problem that we have is it becomes, it becomes once again, a different hierarchy. It becomes yeah. a different, uh, a different model. Um, but yet it fits into the same model we've always had. And I guess that's the thing that troubles me. Um, a big, like you said yesterday, you know, uh, you heard somebody say, well, these, all these guys have to learn how to be sons. Uh, yeah. First of all, you gotta, you gotta show them the father, I mean, <laughs> you know, well, that, that, that's the thing is, I, you know, you don't, you have your, your kids born into your house. You, you don't like, okay. You know, now we are on a process of teaching you how to be sons and daughters in the house. <laughs> it's like, it's a progression of maturity. Right. And that's because, you know, is that then for my sons, it's not about them trying to take my place. Right. It's about them progressing into maturity, into their place, their, their role, their responsibility with accountability right. To, to reflect the Heavenly Father to their family. To and they shouldn't their... necessarily have to go out. Uh, like I'm, I'm thinking, once again, the spiritual house of God. They, yeah. they don't have to go out someplace else. There should be Rehoboth, for the Lord hath made room for you, yes. wherever it is that you're at. Exactly. Because now you are bearing that same mark of maturity. You're bearing that same thing. And there should be room for that rather than this one guy still being the only one that has that place or position exactly in fact the thing is the dysfunctional dysfunctionality we have in the natural today is that we take um, old people the grandparents and we put them out to pasture you know we stick them in a home somewhere right and and we we divide the family we like that we like our privacy you know life is busy we've got no room anymore how to we don't know how to work out relationships within the context of a natural family right is you That's know true. is that is that everybody feels threatened everybody feels insecure and it's like you know why my voice is not being heard you know so grandfathers and grandmothers are shouting the odds and children are going well we don't want them around because we want to live our life and and say, there's, we need to learn to balance the relationships within the context of even the spiritual family. And I think if we get it right in the, the spiritual family, we won't have the dysfunction in society. And yeah. so we, we, if we begin to understand that everybody has their role, grandparents are not to be domineering, manipulative, uh, you know, um, sick people, dysfunctional people, insecure. They're supposed to be there to help raise up the next generation that they, right. their input is vital moms right. and dads you know where's the maturity in the house where are the the multiple moms and dads who can actually begin to raise 
a generation of little kiddos. Where's the young people that actually do go to war against the devil, you know, who right. overcome the devil one, people who, who have got the energy to do that. You know, people right. say to me now, let's go to war. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> you know, I was like, people send me messages. Are you in spiritual warfare? And I'm going, no. <laughs> I'm not in spiritual warfare. I'm building now. You know, I'm yeah. a grandfather now. I'm laying the foundations. I'm raising, nurturing others to do that. I'm not going to war now. I don't. You know, there's no price for me to go to war. Um, yeah. So uh, it's just we. If we begin to build that culture, mentality uh, is a, and that for me is like it becomes so easy, Steve, because then we're not trying to regulate things. It's right. Not, it's a family. It's got. It's ugly. It's right. messy. You've got diapers. You've got, you know, home alone. Somebody forgets somebody somewhere, but it's okay. Everybody rushes back to get to help them, you know? And, and uh, uh, you've got moms and dads that miss it. There's times that that's, it's sad to me to see how somebody fails and everybody slays them, yeah. destroys them. Yeah. gossips you know uh, cut it's just it, it's the harshest place in the world really yeah you know it's so harsh there's more love in the business realm and in pubs than there is in the yeah. church because we've got no family monitors we are a organization to accomplish an objective and yeah, that's true a ceo chairman that's leading it and if you don't, you're you're fired. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. You know, it's like that's we've true. got no family mindedness. Listen, a family goes, my son doesn't make it, or he's not shaping up, or whatever. I put my arms around him. I love him. I trust God. I pray for him. Yeah, he's my, he's my friend. We we walk together. We talk together. Even if he's not right, or they're not up to scratch with what I think is the right. The, it doesn't change my they, my sons, you know, or my children. I walk with them. Yeah, and that's the thing too. If we're with we're harsh taskmasters um, with our sons as they grow up, it's almost like in a uh, in a herd situation, like in in deer. You know, the young the young bucks are brought up into that, but one day they challenge the old buck. Yeah, exactly. And then they take off and start their own herd. Yes. And I guess that's where if if we can get past that natural that natural instinct of trying to trying to force things upon somebody and force them into a certain pattern, uh train up a child in the way he should go doesn't say to force them in that. Uh train up in the way he should go. The word way he should go, of course, as you know, is the word Derek, you know, yeah. D-E-R-E-K. And it means the the bent or the how is this child bent or slanted already? Right. Now I'm to train him up in that, not yes. train him up in the way I think he should go. Exactly. So find out how these guys are already slanted. Find out what they're already bent toward, and help equip them to do that in life, not yeah. just. And that's that's going to take time. What we're trying to do oh, is get yeah. a, ten, a six week program on discover your gift and, you know, right. ministry, uh, you know, and they get overwhelmed by this and at, millennials, millennials, right. Not interested, not interested. They're not interested. They're not interested. And they just like, re, they rebelling against that whole thing. You know why? 
because they want to belong to relational families. That's what yeah. they want. That's they, true. They want to discover themselves. They want the freedom. They, they, they value family. They value their, 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 their family time. They value those things. What we're doing is putting pressure on with more programs, more stuff. And I'll tell you what, but yet they the greatest advocates of purpose there is. Yeah. If we be, if we nurture that, I'm telling you is that the millennials will be the loudest voice this earth has ever heard because they love purpose. They love to have something that they conviction, a passion, but they right. don't want it. That, you know, I mean, I talk to millennials all the time and they just love their family time. They will work less hours and less money to actually spend time with their family. They want to work from home. They, that's the kind of thing. Yet the church is still trying to drag people into more meetings, more stuff, give them positions. Not going to work. I'm telling you, we, that's why we've got 70% of them don't, not interested. Not right. interested. Right. They want family. They want family. We, We've got the we've got the keys to make this happen. You know? Yeah, we are family. I've got all my brothers and sisters and me. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, we ought to write a song. <laughs> isn't there isn't there a song like that already? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Steve, it, you know. I, it's it's great. I, I appreciate this time just that we can share together like this because it, it um, I, I'm actually talking on the 14th of March. I'm talking to students, uh, to a student a leadership development um, thing in Nigeria who talks to students all over uh, Niger Nigeria. Really? So, yeah. So I've got oh. an hour WhatsApp uh, time to share with them. Um, about um, and we're going to be talking about uh, leadership development. So, so that you know, I, I'm I'm excited. You know, it just reminds me these times that we have together. It, just sharing with you just reminds me how important. Um, it reminds me of these things that that is so important to us and to me. You know, just I'm right. I'm really grateful for it. Well, so am I. We, we're all over the place, but <laughs> if anybody's, if, if you stuck with us for the hour. <laughs> yeah, bless your hearts. Thank you, thank you for sticking with us. If you got to this point um, and you're totally confused, we understand. But, you know, hopefully something in there gets, gets you in your, um, in your salary. Yeah, and if you have something that, uh, uh, I'm talking not you, but uh, anybody else listening, yeah. if yeah. they happen to be anybody besides yeah. my wife, um, you know, if there's something in particular that you, that you want to discuss or, or whatever, you know, go ahead and shoot, uh, shoot Sean a line, not shoot Sean, but shoot him a line. Yeah. And just let him know. And, uh, or, or me and just say, Hey, you know, we'd really like to hear this. Um, you know, just this and not that we're getting back on topical things, but if there's some some question or something that that you have um we're more than happy to throw it out there and beat it up and and chew on it and gnaw on it yeah. and see what all types of meat we can Absolutely. get out of it well we invite it i mean you know is uh that it really just helps us because we'd like to answer your questions as well i mean we don't want to sit here and saying we're answering this question now but it really is like if there's something on your heart something that you want to get a perspective on um, you know, we'd love to, we'd love to hear from you. Yes, absolutely. Right. Good one. Yeah. And, um, 
And so, yeah, invite, uh, of course, in, if you're not, uh, well, I don't know where you're listening to this. You're probably going to be listening to this either on the podcast or in the Facebook group. Um, if you're listening to this on the podcast, of course, the, the Facebook group is there, Kingdom Leadership Equipping. Please uh, join us in the community there. Um, we're looking for, you know, the contribution uh, for the equipping of leaders in a kingdom mindset. And, uh, and so we, we'd love to have you join us there. So if you're not part of it already, please hop on. Um, you, you just got to answer one or two questions. Am I willing to read the description? Yes. Will I abide by the rules? Yes. So that, you know, that's basically what it is. We'd love to have you join us there as well. All right, Steve, we've run out of time um, again, but uh, thank you so much for your time. I really, really love you. It. appreciate you and really enjoy spending time with you. You're looking so much better. I want to say is like every week. I, you Did know, I look bad before? Uh, well, when you when you came out of hospital, you were looking a bit rough around the edges. But uh, oh, is that right? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Now, now you're looking. You're looking. See, I look the same to me, so I don't know. Now you're looking. You look like Father Christmas, you know. So. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. To, to end, you know that final. Finally, did you see that post that says? Uh, um, I, when I was young, I, I believed in Father Christmas. Then I didn't believe in Father Christmas. Then I was Father Christmas. And I um, know. Oh, then then I, uh, yes, then I became Father Christmas. You know, now yeah, I look yeah. like Father Christmas. <laughs> so, That's right. Yeah, so right. Um, you look like Father Christmas now. <laughs> well, I don't know whether that's good or bad, but yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, God bless you guys. Thank you for All being right. with us again. Until next time, this is Kingdom Leadership Equipping with Sean and Steve saying, have a great weekend. <laughs> <laughs>